Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. And just like that, we're back. Another edition of the Late Kick Extra podcast. It's time for some college football this Tuesday morning, November 16th, the year of our Lord 2021. I can tell you already, it's going to be a good morning. Well, it's going to be an above average morning. Because normally, if I'm irresponsible and I wait till the morning to record, You know, I got the congestion and whatnot. And this morning I woke up virtually free and clear. I have no answer for it. I'm just happy for it. This is a loaded, loaded mailbag this morning. It's going to be a loaded day. There are coaching moves happening. Even this morning as I woke up, Justin Fuente has been fired at Virginia Tech. There are so many job openings. Guys, there are more to come. Hint, hint. Wink, wink. And so it's going to be one of the busiest Decembers, possibly the busiest December if you think about it, in the history of college football, because we're still pretty new into the early signing date era. So these mass November firings are still a a fairly new concept. And you combine that with the fact that a lot of the firings that were going to happen have been backed up a little bit because of COVID. So now a lot of them are happening like Fuente that probably would have happened a year ago. C, you have the early signing date period. D, you have conference championship weekend coming up. E, after that, you have college football playoff selection and then college football playoff itself. Are we at F? Yeah, we're at F. Rarely do we get this deep into the alphabet. F, you have the Heisman Trophy. We actually have a question about that. I rarely talk Heisman. We got a question about that this morning. So yeah, I would highly recommend just finding a nice, quiet little corner and making sure you don't miss a show because we have a whole lot going on. As you know, these Tuesday morning pods specifically have become famous for me telling you all the behind-the-scenes stuff, the inside scoop on last weekend's travels, the stuff I can't and don't have time to rather tell you on air, Late Kick Live on Sunday night, and that's what we're going to do today. The food scene, it, I'm going to pause. There's a little pause there. I'm gathering myself. I don't want to drool all over the microphone. It was really good. It was really, really good. I had syrup all over my fingers the entire first half down on the field. And there's a reason for that, and I'm going to tell it to you in due time. So let's dive in. It's a mailbag, at Lake Kick Josh on Twitter, at Lake Kick Josh on Instagram. That's how you can submit questions. And we're going to start it off this morning at a place that has, by all accounts, including mine, been a crippling disappointment this year. Bry asked, are we seeing the downfall of the ACC or is it just a down year? Especially since Clemson has been down this year and they don't have any team in the contest for the playoff. Is the AAC going to pass the ACC if Cincinnati gets in? I don't think it matters at all if Cincy gets in, crazy though that may be, uh, because Cincinnati is out the door anyway, headed to the Big 12. So nothing Cincinnati does, I think, is going to impact the perception or reality of AAC versus ACC. Having said that, the ACC should be totally ashamed of itself. As a conference, as a whole, it should be totally ashamed of itself. Think about August. Go back to August. Let's just remember what you and I were talking about here. There was an edge in college football coming into this season. 
really two of them that we spoke about a lot. Edge number one, how many super seniors do you have on your roster? How much more experienced are you than normally you ever would have been able to because of all the guys that got to come back and got an extra year because of COVID? Obviously, if you had a bunch of 23-year-old men running around, that was going to give you an edge. That was number one. Edge number two, there was one conference out there that returned, I think it was 13 out of 14 starting quarterbacks. In a season where you scan the landscape, and as it turns out, we did not have elite quarterback play out there. Oklahoma has struggled. Alabama's got good quarterback play. I wouldn't say it's elite right now. Ohio State's had good quarterback play. I would not say C.J. Stroud has been elite across the board. Maybe elite potential, but not there yet. In a season where that ends up being reality, you're telling me a conference that has 13 out of 14 returning starters at quarterback can't get out of its own way enough to have even one team in contention in mid-November? This was a catastrophic fumbling of the ball that they could have taken and run with. And I want you to remember something. Clemson doesn't come through. Okay, Clemson's supposed to be your alpha dog. They don't come through. Hey, worse things have happened before. You should have had North Carolina and or Miami and or fill in the blank half a dozen other programs ready to grab the mantle and run with it. None of them were. And here's the worst part. The worst part is there's no excuse for it. Normally, if Clemson falls, but North Carolina can't get it done either, if you just saw that headline in December, you would think to yourself, oh, they must have lost Sam Howell for the season. No, they didn't. For that matter, Clemson didn't lose DJ either. It's just a complete failure to take advantage of an opportunity up and down the eastern seaboard. This should be the time of year, given the circumstances elsewhere in college football, where we are saying to ourselves, hey, the ACC, one of the biggest surprises in college football this year, good for them. They've got one or two teams in the playoff mix. Look at how many of these teams are going to go to high-level bowl games. And instead, it's, oh, no, we suck again. It just shouldn't be that way. But does it mean the AAC has passed the ACC? No, because you know what? That conference has been disappointing this year, too. That's the biggest problem Cincinnati has at the moment. It's not... Notre Dame, Notre Dame's fulfilling their end of the bargain. They got beat by Cincinnati and they hadn't lost again. Yeah, Indiana may not be quite what you thought they'd be, but I don't think Indiana is the albatross dragging Cincinnati's overall resume down. It's their own conference. Their conference, and to be clear, the reason why coming into this season, I thought they'd be in the playoff if they went undefeated, it was because of their conference. That was a huge piece of the puzzle because the AAC had had its profile rising and rising and rising, rightfully so. It was not a mirage. That's been a really, really good conference. And I thought this was the year where if Cincinnati were to run the table through that conference and have a couple of Power 5 wins, those factors there were going to be good enough to give them a playoff-bound resume. And maybe they'll still make it, maybe they won't. But if they make it, it'll be in spite of their conference strength, unfortunately, instead of being in part because of it. So, Cincy, if you don't get in... It's not my fault. It's your conference's fault. The end. Uh, Daniel Rose asked a pressing question Saturday. Now, obviously, on Saturday, I don't have time to get to it. But boy, on Tuesday, I do. Now, I'm going to ask this question. Some of you may be turned off by it, but I don't want you to be turned off by it. We want to be a turn on around here. Out of context, Late Kick Podcast. I want to turn you on. Quote me. So anyway, Daniel's going to ask a question, but after he asks it, I want you to hang with me because some of you are going to relate to it. Some of you are going to dive in. Some of you aren't. Is that enough of a preface? I hope so. Daniel just hit me up randomly Saturday. He said, hey, what's the best song on the Twister soundtrack? 
All right. Now, you know my affinity for the movie Twister. You know I am a storm chaser in the, well, what some people, some hooligans would call the offseason. We just call it spring and summer as God intended because there's still plenty going on in college football. No one's off. No one's off. We're not off. We're doing shows year-round. Well, anyway, given that I live that lifestyle, Daniel asked this question. I want to say I was in an airport when he asked it. Um, Maybe I was at Baylor. Anyway, uh, it slapped me. And I started to answer, and I backspaced probably four or five times, and here's what I ended up telling him. I told him, I cannot give you an answer to this, because he asked me on Instagram. I said, I cannot give you an answer to this without us having a very, very in-depth, nuanced discussion that would take 20 minutes. I'm not going to take 20 minutes here, but it is a very complicated question. So I want to ask you guys something. Do you have that movie in your life where when you hear music that comes from the soundtrack, it so vividly recalls scenes or just the movie in general in your head that it's like you're actually there. Do you have that at all? Because I've got it with two movies, and I've got it with a specific moment in fifth grade. Strange though that may sound, that's how my memory framework has worked. So the movie Twister and the movie Almost Famous, those two, when I hear music from those movies anywhere, I'm there immediately. Such vivid memories are stirred. Some of you who follow me on Instagram saw me post the other night, ironically, because I didn't know we were going to be talking about this, uh, one of the songs that's from the original score from Almost Famous. I'm not going to talk about it anymore because this isn't about Almost Famous, but I would strongly encourage you, if you haven't seen Almost Famous, do it. It's one of the best movies ever. And secondly, if you have, go on YouTube, find the song called Cabin in the Air. Cameron Crowe directed the movie. Nancy Wilson... I think is his wife. Nancy Wilson was from Heart. Huge, huge all-female rock band. And so it's nice to have Nancy Wilson in the bullpen when you're the director and she says, hey, I don't have anything happening next Wednesday. I'll just do the scores for you. Well, she did. Go find Cabin in the Air. I don't care if you've never seen the movie. It's some of the best music. It's only about a minute and a half long. Some of the best music you'll ever hear. Anyway, when it comes to Twister, same thing. When I hear some of the songs, whether it be No One Needs to Know from Shania Twain, one of the best, most underrated country songs from the 90s and from her career. Humans Being from Van Halen, Hard Rock, great song and timely in the movie. Long Way Down by the Goo Goo Dolls is also the first time I'd ever heard that song. I think it's towards the end. You know, we just conquered the F5. You know how F5s are, but you got to conquer them, find some pipes. Got to go down at least 30 feet, anchor to them. Might have a chance. And uh, there are two more songs, though, that I think are probably the staples for me. There is a song, obviously, by Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks. Not Fleetwood Mac, mind you. They are not of Fleetwood Mac performing the song. They're just together performing the song. But it's called Twisted, and it's playing very softly in the background when Bill Paxton, who is also named Bill in the movie, Boss Move, he shows back up for the first time. Welcome back, Bill! I'm not back. That song's playing in the background. It just blends perfectly. The entire theme of the movie is kind of right in tune with the lifestyle. It's out on the road. It's it's hot. It's spring. It's early summer. It's adventurous. It's risk-taking. It's an immense fascination and respect for the power and violence of nature, but also the beauty of nature. And it's just something that not a lot of people understand, but if you do understand it, you're all about it. These songs, like the way they blended the soundtrack, it so perfectly fits with that. I probably picture the windows down wherever you're driving while you're listening to it. Uh, also, How by Lisa Loeb. I don't think the whole song is great, but especially the intro. The intro probably captures specific scenes in the movie Twister better than anything. You've never heard the song. I guarantee you, even if you watch the movie, you have not looked this song up. Look up How by Lisa Loeb. You'll know before the first words are sung. 
you'll know before the first lyrics, oh, that's that part. And moments like this, Alice and Krauss and Union Station, some of the best to ever do it. Great bluegrass. So those are my favorite, what did I go about, half a dozen deep? Those are my favorite half dozen songs from Twister. I told you there was no possible way I was giving you a five-second answer. I am Jimbo Fisher when it comes to Twister. You ask me, yes or no, is this your favorite song? And four and a half minutes later, I have told you that, well, kind of, it's my favorite song. Back to reality, Jacob asks a very confusing question, but it's one sentence. He says, best guess, who wins the Heisman right now? I've got no clue, Jason. I am supporting Will Anderson. Unfortunately, his odds are currently at plus 8,000 to win. Uh, Jordan Davis is around the same, so those are your closest two defensive players. Here's what we have. We did a roundtable on this, by the way, yesterday. I think it's going on YouTube today at some point. And we talked about this, and no one really had a firm answer either. You got Bryce Young as your leader. I'm guesstimating on these odds because they could have moved overnight. Bryce Young was about plus 150 yesterday. CJ Stroud was next up. He was in the plus 200 somewhere. Kenneth Walker was around plus 300. It's very rare, uh, just for those of you who don't know betting, it's very rare to have that many candidates that close to zero, essentially, this late in the game. That, those are not long odds. Let me put it that way. Those are not long odds. Matt Corral, I think, was plus 400. So we had five guys, or four guys, rather, under plus 500 odds. Normally what's happened by this time of year is you got one, maybe two, that are in the plus 100 or 200 range, and then everyone else is like plus 1,000 because they have separated themselves. No one has separated right now. Now, obviously, we have a lot of consequential games coming up that will decide this. I was thinking about this as we were doing our roundtable yesterday. I didn't actually get to say it, but I was thinking about this. Consider how volatile this season's been. I mean, Ohio State and Bama already have losses, so let's not pretend they couldn't lose another game. And so let's think about those two names. Bryce Young, quarterback for Alabama. C.J. Stroud, quarterback for Ohio State. I think most of you would agree, at the moment, those are your two leaders. It's a very flimsy lead, but those are your two leaders. Think about what could happen here. You think this is crazy right now, right? You think... This Heisman race has been really muddy, and I like it that way. I don't know why people would complain, but I want to tell you how crazy this could get. Now, let's say Bryce in Alabama, they lose to Auburn, or they go to the SEC championship game. They don't have a good day offensively. They lose. Well, obviously, he'd be out of it, but that's in a vacuum. Then you would think to yourself, well, that probably means C.J. Stroud wins it, right? Okay, what if Michigan beats Ohio State? What if Ohio State loses another game? And all of a sudden, both of them have another loss on their resume. And let's say in that loss, they don't play particularly well. Guys, that could happen is what I'm telling you. This is not someone having to lose as a four-touchdown favorite. Both of these things could happen. And I want you to keep this in mind. Let's say Ohio State's loss were to come this weekend. We're going to be at that game in Columbus. We've seen some crazy things this year. We've been on hand for some craziness. So let's just say for argument's sake. Ohio State loses this weekend. Well, that would be in direct correlation probably to Kenneth Walker of Michigan State having a big game. So you could have a two-for-one. You could have C.J. Stroud lose his grip near the top at the expense of Kenneth Walker elevating to the top. If Alabama, let's say they make it to the playoff, well, what if Bryce Young plays good, but Will Anderson has like four sacks and three tackles for loss against Georgia in the SEC championship game, and that's the last thing you see before you cast your vote? I don't think plus 8,000 odds is correct because of how unsure the entire situation is right now. There is a greater likelihood than that that some defensive player, 
just jumps out of nowhere. I'm not saying it's likely, uh, and I'm not saying I expect it to happen, but I don't think it's unlikely as plus 8,000 odds. So I put my money where my mouth is on that, all $10. I went and got Piggy. I smashed her open, and I put every dime and nickel and quarter I have on it. So I want to know, though, what do you think? I would like to know this from you. What do you think if, let's say, all of a sudden in the last couple of weeks, craziness happens and Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud are knocked down? Who's taking this trophy? Who's taking this award? Matt Corral's at plus 400. Does he bump up there and take it? Does Kenneth Walker carry Michigan State to an unlikely Big Ten championship and he takes it? I don't know. I can tell you this, though. If both of those quarterbacks were to take another loss, it would be, I don't know that there's ever been a less clear Heisman picture that late in the season because that would be right at the end. I don't know how late we've ever gone with a picture that unclear, but that would be wild. That would be wild. Yeah, so I think that as much as it feels like it's a little muddy right now, I think we could get a lot muddier. But here's a question I asked in the roundtable we did yesterday, and I'm very curious about this because you guys know I don't really care about parity. I care about competition. And if the same teams win because they're the highest level competitors, so be it. But I know a lot of you care about parity, which is fine. You know, you have your preferences just like I have mine. I've just been curious, as I said before, I think I said this like a month ago, and my opinion hasn't changed. Everybody cries for parity, but those same people are looking at the Heisman race, calling it boring. And I'm like, are you telling me that you want parity, but you also want a lead horse like five lengths out in front of the pack? What do you want? Which one do you want? I mean, the best I can tell, maybe people just like their Heisman a little more neat and clean and decided by this point than they do their playoff. I have no clue where people's heads are at. Here's what I do know, though. It's time to return to this past weekend. I went to Baylor last weekend. It was great. What a trip. And it started off, as I told you, on Late Kick Live Sunday night. And so you probably listened to this already. Our guy, James Helms, there at an enterprise in Irving, Texas, right next to Dallas, Irving, Texas, hooked us up. Thank you so much. That's not the first time, but it's the most recent time that someone in our audience, which is now nationwide, and that's something I still haven't gotten used to, has helped us out in a moment of need or when we have a specific thing that we have to have and I don't know the answer to it. And all of a sudden, there you come. And all different people in all different walks of life have stepped up, given your specific skills and talents and occupations. Uh, I think they call that community. Yeah, I think they call that community. And so James Helms was just the latest member of the Late Kick fam, the community, what have you, to step up and offer his services. And it was so, so appreciated. And so I'm just going to put it this way. If 2022 arrives and James is not the CEO of Enterprise, they have dropped the ball. Clock's ticking, guys. Make the right decision. Do the right thing. So we get down to Dallas, and uh, I got out of there quickly. It was like the total inverse of last week. Last week, I'm trapped in Austin. I think I grew a beard waiting for the rental car. And this weekend, it's in and out and on my way. I think that's an actual rental car slogan, isn't it? Well, look, I can't confirm or deny. I don't have time to look it up. Uh, if it's not Enterprise, though, just pretend it was. So it was about an hour and a half, hour 45, down to Waco from Dallas. Got there on Friday. Get checked in. Hotel. We're all good. So Saturday comes. There are a couple of things that give me anxiety. I otherwise lead an anxiety-free life. I mean, I have never taken any form of medication, any pill related to anxiety, because only two things give me anxiety. One is the prospect of having to street park. Now, I'm not scared of parallel parking. What I don't like is holding up traffic in any shape, form, or fashion, even for two seconds. So that, number one, and that's unrelated to this. Number two is knowing I'm going to run into traffic in general 
because I'm all about schedule. And given that I-35 is under construction until the end of time and since the beginning of time, I had a little anxiety that, oh, since Waco has I-35 run through it and McLean Stadium's right off the interstate, it could be rough, could be bad. So I, for an 11 a.m. local time kickoff, I like to get to stadiums three and a half hours early anyway because we have responsibilities. we got CBS hits to do. Plus, I just like getting in there before everyone's in there. One of the most peaceful moments of the weekend, I think I told you this in August, is the time when I'm in the building before they open it to the public when it's just an empty, quiet stadium. It's really weird, kind of serene, especially knowing what's coming in a few hours. Well, anyway, I leave the hotel at about, what, 7? I probably left at 7. I was only 10 minutes south of the stadium when it's an empty day. I thought it was going to take an hour. And friends, when I tell you I did not have to so much as come to a complete stop the entire way to the media parking lot, except for one four-way stop sign, I didn't even have to come to a complete stop. Rarely did I have to hit my brakes. You just cruise right on in there. There's no one there yet. It was so wonderful. It's different. I'll give you that. It's different than the South because in the South or at Penn State or someplace like that, the stadiums are in the middle of town. Therefore, you are getting well off a major thoroughfare. That's what I get for watching the Weather Channel growing up. I learned the word thoroughfare. Normally, it's talking about road conditions. I'm just talking about navigation. Uh, But this is different. This is different. It's right off the interstate. So I get in there, and we're good. I got so much time to kill, I could have taken a nap. So everyone is so nice, especially the times that I've been at a place for the first time. Everyone's so nice. And at Baylor, they knew they had an extra eyeball or, or 100 on their game that day. So they took extra care of us. It really helps when you have those three letters, CBS, on your polo. They do tend to open an extra door or two for you. But I really think it's my infectious smile more so than the polo. I think maybe I'll turn the polo inside out this next weekend in Columbus and see how that works. Yes, because Ohio State, so starved for attention. The national media has long ignored the Buckeyes. And now finally, the spotlight is shown on the Buckeyes of Ohio State for the first time in minutes and minutes and minutes. Well, anyway, uh, it came time for food. And that's what really, if we're being honest with ourselves, just between you and I, our production team thinks my pregame ritual revolves around our live hits. And our production team, and I'm there with Dennis Dodd. I mean, they see me really zoned in, focused in, probably think I'm coming up with a good intro, outro, segues, bridge, topic, teases. Really what I'm doing is wondering, will there be a meal ticket? Which some universities do. They have a ticket on the bottom of your credential, and you trade it in, and you get one pregame plate. Uh, Translation, poverty vibes. I'm not going to say anything else, just poverty vibes. Other places, like Baylor, they view feeding you as an Olympic sport, and they are trying to win, and Baylor won Saturday. So imagine my surprise when I walk in and I'm expecting hot dogs or something like that, and I'll be honest, I underestimated Baylor. I will freely admit that now, given that I know the result. I walk in the press box, and I can smell breakfast. You have no idea what that does to me. I am Leslie Nope from Parks and Rec when it comes to breakfast food. So I walk around the corner, and I almost stumbled back into a wall. I almost went Fred Sanford. It was almost the big one. That's a very, very old reference for those of you under the age of like 50. There it is. As far as the eye can see, we have chicken and waffle sandwiches. That, to be clear, for those of you unfamiliar, is a huge hunk of chicken with waffles in lieu of buns serving as the bookends. And then they have this other assortment of different syrups in these giant plastic containers that are used for dipping. Then they have this little hash brown bar, which I'm pretty sure they had to sacrifice a majority of the state of Idaho in order to produce. 
And I went to town. I have no embarrassment. I have no shame. It's just, if you don't like it, look away. And so I loaded up, and the lady behind the desk that was kind of monitoring things, at first she was a little scared, but then she got it, and she was all in with me, and she participated, and she said, you come back as many times as you want. I think that she shifted into soup kitchen mode, and she thought I had come in off the street, and I hadn't eaten in the better part of a week, and she took sympathy on me. The press box people sometimes take sympathy on me, because they don't think I have access to food. And I don't mind that they think that because I have zero pride in a press box when it comes to food. So everyone else goes to press row. They go to their seat in the press box and you know, they're kind of munching on stuff. I take both arms full of plates and I go into a corner somewhere and I've got my back to the room and I got a ton of tension in my shoulders and I'm eating like a prison inmate. And I'm kind of looking over both shoulders with every bite. I got syrup all over the place. My hands are covered in syrup and hash brown grease. In other words, the closest thing to heaven on earth that God could possibly allow you to experience, I am experiencing. So I'm stuffed. I can barely tuck my shirt in when I go down on the field for our live hit. I can still taste just a little touch of syrup on the corners of my mouth as we were doing our live hit. So if I was smiling, that's why I was smiling. And then the game happens. And it's interesting because Baylor's got some opportunities and then they, I really thought they were costing themselves what was ultimately going to be a chance to win the game in the first half. Turned out, no, they actually didn't even need all those points they had a shot at getting. When we got to halftime, sometimes I'll go up to the press box and sometimes I won't. Since Baylor is a new stadium, it's so easy. You don't have to go through the crowd. You have tunnel access to your own elevator. Uh, a lot more fancy than we should have. And so I get up to the press box, and I don't smell breakfast anymore, guys. I smell chicken. And it's popcorn chicken. And so they had this massive spread of popcorn chicken containers. And the hash browns were back. Just a whole new level of hash brown experience. And so I essentially did again what I did in the first half. And I did not get back down on the field until five minutes to go in the third quarter. Just the most exquisite carnival-like atmosphere in the press box when it comes to food. Everything short of funnel cakes that you could possibly experience. And so I just want to say from myself to the fine folks at Baylor, thank you so, so much for that. I also want to tell you this. Before the game, I can't tell you who, I can't tell you which team, but a couple of coaches actually walked up and said, for obvious reasons, you know, I can't be interacting with you publicly. So, you know, I don't submit a question for the podcast. I don't go back and forth with you on Twitter, but I just want you to know I'm listening to every show, and I just want you to know, love what you're doing, keep up the good work. You know, you can say this, just don't be quoting me. This has happened to me, I think, every week except one, where I've had at least one staffer, normally it's multiple, but at least one staffer from one team involved who has said, hey, love the show. I haven't even gone to the game this weekend yet, and already we have heard from coaches on both sides of this weekend. So that's always good, because I appreciate it, because it's validation that we're putting out a good product. If people actually inside the football building, if they respect the product enough to listen, that's enough validation for me. I, I remember when I first got started in Columbus, I would always hit up high school coaches. I got one I still talk to to this day, spent an hour and a half with them on the phone after we did Late Kick Live the other night. I just wanted to know from a coach's perspective, I know I'm not diagramming plays and breaking down film, but from a coach's perspective, is what's coming out of my mouth respected by you? And if they're telling me they can respect it, then I think we got a product that we all can respect because that's a higher standard that really you're trying to meet. But as you saw, to get back to the game, we had a field storming. And that was an interesting perspective for me. And I'll tell you about it right after this. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. So Baylor is taking the lead and extending the lead in the second half, and it didn't come down to the wire. You actually know with six or five minutes to go in the game, Baylor's got this thing. Well, that means the students are starting to push their way down to the bottom And what normally is a row for one layer of students has about five layers on it. And you can tell, as I've told you before, when you're on the field, you know several minutes ahead of time when they're going to storm the field. So I know they're going to storm the field. So what I do to be responsible, because I've heard horror stories before of equipment being stolen, is I get my book bag, which I normally just have on the field during the game, and I take it up the tunnel to where it'll be safe. And uh, here was the problem. The problem was the students rushed the field when the clock hit like two seconds instead of zero. And there was a play left. So as you know, if you were watching the game, they had to take like five minutes and they had to shoo everyone off the field. But obviously you can't put them back up in the stands because the stands aren't field level. It's like a five foot drop. So you can't push people back up. It's easy to jump on. It's hard to push them back up. So what they did to get them off the field for one play is they pushed them to the sideline. But there were too many folks on the field and not enough room on the sideline. So guess what they did with the excess? Yeah, they pushed them right up that tunnel, the tunnel that I had designated as a safe space for all my stuff. And this is where I got to thank everyone at Baylor, because I'm pretty sure at some universities out there, my stuff would have been gone. And instead, the Baylor students looked at it and said, you know what? Not today. I'm not going to be that guy. I'm not going to be that girl. And so I had a lot of equipment in that book bag, a lot of it. And uh, it was still there after the game. So I appreciate it because I know someone somewhere out there had an opportunity to jack that thing and I never would have known. And you would have had laptops and cameras and a bunch of five-hour energies. I probably could have replaced the latter. It would have been tougher to replace the former. You also would have had access to our office downtown if you got there before they could cancel the security code. So all in all, this was a really good trip. I highly recommend going to a game there. It was 71 degrees and sunny. Got some late season sun. I actually wrote that down in my log where I keep all the, you know, the thoughts and experiences. Late season sun opportunity, 71 and sunny all afternoon. That's what I wrote. Really fun time. I like the Baylor experience. I had some mixed reviews. Uh, That's what I get for listening to Texas fans try and tell me what the Baylor game is going to be like. And then for the second time this year, I'm taking off because it was a noon game. So I get to fly out that night. As I'm in the air, there is another disaster unfolding in the state of Texas. The first time it was A&M upsetting Alabama. And this time it was Kansas over Texas. I have no clue what to expect. When I fly out of Texas, anything is possible. But man, the travel couldn't have been better. I mean, it made me forget all about the Austin slash college station slash 12-person prison van experience the week before. So good stuff this morning. We have got, I mean, a really loaded late kick live. I had a couple of questions here that I had to hesitate to answer 
because I just think a lot of stuff's going to happen today. I think a lot more information is coming today. Could be right, could be wrong, but in any event, you will not want to miss tonight's show. And if you just listen on podcast, that means tomorrow morning's podcast. But either way, regardless of how you're accessing, I just need two favors. So I'm looking at our metrics, our analytics, fancy word for numbers these days, on YouTube. And I still see that 77% of people who are watching the channel are unsubscribed. So I need subscriptions over there. It's 24-7 Sports. That's the name of the channel. Subscribe, nothing else happens. It's free. And also on the podcast, a five-star review. We did this drill before. It worked fantastically. If you've already given a five-star review, thank you. It's time to go find some friends and some family and loved ones that will trust you to get close enough to them to grab their phone for a couple of minutes. Okay, well, you took all the time building that trust. It's time to cash the trust in. Take advantage of the trust, and when their back is turned, grab the phone, get in iTunes, get in Apple Podcasts, probably where you need to be, and look up the late kick and scroll down and give us a five-star review, and then exit out and put that phone back down, and they are none the wiser. No one's hurt. It is a victimless crime. And so it's not even really a crime per se. It's just an action. Okay, so don't feel bad about it. Feel good about it. You're contributing. James helped us out with a rental car in Dallas this week. You help us out with a five-star review. And we help you out by keeping the show free, which really means that you did it yourself. And I was just kind of here suggesting things. So thank you for listening. We will be back tonight. Until then, for producer Jordan, who's about to get this sent to him in three, two, one. Right now, I'm Josh Pate. Have a great rest of your day, and God bless.